<laughs> See, um, if we are live, we are live for the first time. So this is some of the things that did happen. We have our amazing team back here. It's a training night. Is that a thumbs up? That's a thumbs up. We're ready to go. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Love it. Well, hey, LifePoint Youth, so good to be with you. And I mean actually be with you, like not just like record and then be sitting in the back room. I've been sitting in the cry room responding and, and hitting you guys up. And, and actually, I've been doing that while also switching and uh, recording uh, the video for, for worship. So I've been doing all of that at the same time. If you didn't know, we record our worship on Wednesday. I can finally start like leaking some of these secrets, I feel like, um, now that we only have like uh, uh, another week. Um, um, this past, uh, a week from Sunday, there you go. A week from Sunday, we'll be meeting again. And then uh, the following Wednesday, we're going to be meeting again. We'll have a video on that later on this week. But man, it's so awesome to finally be able to live stream, finally be able to be with you in real time, man. Uh, we have Macy on the computer. She's going to be uh, hitting you guys up, saying what's up, uh, saying hi. It might come up as me. It might come up as LifePoint Youth. I don't know what it's going to come up as, but know that she's there and she's ready to connect throughout this sermon, uh, throughout this service, throughout this time together. And let us know where you're watching from as well. Uh, that would be awesome. And um, before we get into it, I will also say a hello to our YouTube people who are watching this after the live stream. I know I got excited about being live. We actually couldn't be live on YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much for finding our channel. Thank you so much for um, watching and, and, and taking some time out to hang out with us. Sorry that it couldn't be in real time as I just got excited with all the Facebook people. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, I just wanted to, to take some time out um, this week to really um, just have a real discussion, have a real talk about some of the things that we've been experiencing. Um, it's kind of crazy that we would go from a quarantine and, and we're still, I mean, we're still there. It's still uh, a big issue. Uh, and we're, we're working through that. And then at the, at the back end of it, as things start opening up, as we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, we have this, this massive event occur that is literally uh, changing our entire country. Um, I don't know if, you, if you've seen, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Uh, all 50 states have now uh, been involved in some sort of a protest or some sort of activism. Uh, I can't remember the last time 50 states, all 50 states have done anything. <laughs> and so you know that it's a big deal and you know things are happening. So it's kind of crazy to be going from COVID um, and we're still in it, but, but going from COVID to this, to this other thing and, and pivoting towards that. And, and I just think that this is a, an amazing time to really um, recalibrate and, and, and set our hearts up to really um, be the church, to really be believers and start to really own our faith, to really start to own our faith. So let's just go ahead. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to go through uh, the entirety of chat, uh, chapter 6 of Acts. Chapter 6 in Acts. 
uh, is what we're going to go through. So you can turn there um, if you're watching uh, or maybe you're listening to the podcast as well. Totally forgot about podcast peoples. Uh, it's so good to hear you and to, to be with you through um, your earphones or earbuds or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to be tonight. But I want you guys, before we even get into it, I want you guys to just think about something with me. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you're going against the grain? Have you ever found yourself in a position that might be awkward based on the surroundings that you have? And it might not even be like totally intentional either. Like I remember for me, um, growing up in my youth group where I was at, there was, a, there was a drama team, human video team that we had that we did all sorts of stuff. Dramas, human videos, um, we did skits, we did all sorts of stuff. And I just remember being on this team and there were like six or seven girls and there was always like two or three guys. Like it was vastly disproportionate. I remember being in those, those practices and being like, man, this is, this is crazy. Um, and, and, and I just know um, that, that you guys have been in situations like that too, where you find yourself and you're going against the grain. It might be um, that you're starting up a club Maybe you're, maybe you're starting something new at school. I know it's, it, summer just hit, but like, you know, maybe, maybe there's just something that is, that is rubbing kind of, the, it's going counterculture. And I, I don't know about you, but it can be a really, really difficult thing to try to acclimate to that environment, to try to adjust to those people, and even to, to speak up as you guys are, are being creative or or maybe you're planning, maybe you're, you're like really administrative and it's a business thing, I don't know. And, and I think it's important to know that as we find ourselves in those situations, we look to Jesus and Jesus went against the grain all the time. He bucked every single trend that you could have all throughout the gospel. He spoke of a kingdom that no one expected all the way from, from his birth all the way to his death, nobody really understood that he was who he said he was because he never really acted that way. When he was being born, when, when, when everybody was preparing for that, you know, they expected this triumphant um, birth that everybody would know and people would come from all these places and, and what happens? He, he's, he's lowly in a manger with, with two kind of just outcasts as, as parents and then as he's, as he's going throughout ministry, they're, they're not really getting that, that he's the king who, who he said he was because where's the throne and where's the, the people who come to serve and, 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 and when do we inherit all of this land? And, and, and you know, it was just very counterculture. And it's this very message of the gospel that we see in the first four books of the New Testament that the early church in Acts began to, to preach and teach and just expand the family of God, man. Um, this, this is an amazing, an amazing book. If you didn't know, it's kind of the sequel to Luke. It's kind of like Luke 2. <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if you're a movie buff or book buff and you're trying to, uh, to think in terms of that, like that's really what this is. It's Luke, uh, the sequel. It's addressed to the same man that Luke was writing to, and it has the purpose of Gentile Christians in the early church really feeling like they're a part of the family. Because that was another thing that got bucked by Jesus. The fact that they thought it was only for them. Jesus in, in turn died for all of our sins. 
That's, his, that's another message in and of itself, but, but it covers the first 30 years of this early church, and it serves as the link between the gospel and the writings of Paul. So that's just some context behind this book of Acts. And I think that the sixth chapter actually has a lot of really relevant information. Um, and this is what it says. I'm going to read it in its entirety, but we're going to break it down, so don't panic too much. Uh, let's go ahead and just read the first seven uh, uh, verses here. And it says this. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, In those days, when a number of disciples, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained that the Hebratic Jews, uh, against the Hebratic Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in their daily distribution of food. And this is the cool part. In, in verse 2 already. It says, So the twelve gathered up all the disciples together, and they said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. And that's not like waiting on tables. We'll get into that a little bit. So they say, Brothers, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the fruit, uh, uh, full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. In chapter, uh, verse 5 it says, The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip. And then there's a bunch of other people here. I'm just going to try to paraphrase uh, these last two. It says, They presented the man, uh, the apostles. They prayed. They laid hands on them. And the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But, but what happens at the very beginning of this, of this chapter? The disciples, the, the 12 who, who uh, Jesus had called out, they, they, were, they were faced with a dilemma. You had two people groups who were coming in and they were claiming the same faith, but, but there was a, a language barrier. There was a cultural barrier. And these people felt isolated and, and, and pushed to the side. And so what do they do? They come up and they say, hey man, we have some issues with this and we have problems with this. And the disciples, they, they don't lose their cool. They actually have a very prolific um, revelation. They say, you know what? We know we can't do this on our own. We know that we can't take over the day-to-day -day tasks of running this thing because we have a mission that's way more important than any mundane task that we could do. They understood they understood the core of their calling. They understood that, that prayer and the ministry of the word was the most important thing that they were to be doing. Church leaders were not supposed to be tangled up with the ins and outs of the church functioning. They were, they were supposed to delegate some of that. And so the preaching and the prayer, it was time consuming and they recognized that it took effort. They recognized that it took effort. And so what I want you guys to realize as we read this first section of Acts is this. We have to remember our, our priorities. We have to remember our priorities. You see, as the early people groups of the church became more diverse, there were more problems that occurred, and they decided to grow. The apostles, the, 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 the twelve, decided we're going to grow our leadership. We're going to bring other people in who's going to help us to teach and preach and minister to the people who need to hear the gospel and take care of these people because they're marginalized. And they took an initiative to prepare for the growth. Instead of the apostles doing even more than they already had on their plates, they began to mobilize. 
But then they came and, and they began to, to bring these groups together. But they always remembered the main mission of believers that we are called to preach the gospel and to pray. They never lost sight of that. And I think that it's important for us as we are navigating through some really, really unadventured and untreaded waters. I need to let you guys know that we have to keep our belief and our our main purpose has to be that we would would, would be able to preach the gospel and have an authentic prayer life above everything that we do. Above being a student, being a graduate, being a worker, being this, being that. Above all of the roles that we play, we're communicators of the gospel. We're communicators of the word. We never should lose sight of that purpose. We should never lose sight of that. I remember uh, being in... uh, uh, cross country. I, I ran cross country and track. I know it might be hard to believe now because I kind of got a little bit of a belly just a bit. <clears throat> kind of, sort of. Anyway, I remember running track. I remember running cross country. And I remember this horrible trend that I would have. Um, my coaches yelled at me year after year, season after season. They said, hey, your, your form is horrible as you progress throughout the race. It didn't matter what event I was running in track. It didn't matter what 5K I was running in cross country. They said, your form weakens as you progress. And, and, and I figured that out. I, I started to recognize that as I got tired and as I wanted to be done and as I was trying to just finish, I, I, I didn't even think about where my placement was, how many points my team could get, what I was doing to my teammates. Like, I didn't think of any of that. I was just like, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm ready to collapse. Like, that's where I was at. And I realized that my purpose was to run the race as fast as I could, to not let my teammates down, to score as many points as I could for my team. And, and, and in that, I, because my form got messed up, I was able to, I, I, was, I, was, I was in a sense uh, uh, getting down and, and getting distracted and it affected me. And I think that that's what these disciples, um, as they're beginning to mobilize, as they're beginning to sense some issues going on within their people group, they're they're bringing more people in so that they're not weighing themselves down, so that their arms aren't getting tired, their form isn't getting bad because they recognize, man, I have a race to run, I have a mission to fulfill, and I'm going to fulfill it. And so I think sometimes we can lose sight of that in the same way that I lost sight of what I was doing in my races. We have to remember our priorities and we have to remember our calling. And the central part of that calling is that we should be communicators of the gospel. So let's get into to the actual communication of the gospel. And uh, it, it deals with Stephen. And in uh, verse 8, it says this, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Oppression arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, the Jews of Cyrene uh, and Alexandra, as well as the providence, uh, as, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. And these men began to argue with Stephen. Here's the important thing: they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. Guys, that's important. 
Let me read a couple more verses here. It says, Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. Now before we get into this interaction that he has with the actual religious leaders, I think that there's a second point that we can find here. And, and, and hopefully you guys are still tracking with me um, on this, but, but I think this is important. And this might be the most important out of all of this. And this is this. We have to be led by the Spirit. You see, Stephen began to preach the gospel and people started listening to what he was saying. And he didn't just preach the gospel. He preached. He, he preached. <laughs> he preached. Man, it's, it's so nice to be live and not be able to click. Or, I'm being sarcastic, of course. I wish I could. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, he preached an unadulterated and unfiltered gospel. He, he preached something that was true to the very nature of Jesus Christ. And this teaching that he was bringing about, it was controversial. So it started debates between the religious leaders and Stephen. They said, hey, wait, 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 wait. We can't, we can't be doing this. We can't be talking about this. Let's, let's go. Let's go and, and debate him and wreck him theologically and send him home and he'll be going home packing. And that's what they thought they would do. But the important thing in verse 10, it says, they could not stand up against his wisdom or by the spirit in which he spoke. Guys, I think it's important to know that because Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was able to preach the full unadulterated gospel. He was able to not worry about what was going on or what was going to come of it. And he had answers for every single theory and every single thing that they were trying to poke in, in his presentation. He was able to refute all of the claims that came against him. And I think it's important to know that, that it, it wasn't because he was more smart. It wasn't because he was uh, uh, educated. It wasn't because he, he had a greater um, ability to, to be able to read the text and, and he walked with Jesus personally and all this kind of stuff. Like, no, 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 no. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit inside of him directing his words, directing his refutes, directing all of the, the conversation that he was having with these religious leaders. And I think that this is also an important part in this narrative here. And this is this, that, that he had an answer for every single thing that they brought up. And so it left them with no valid counters except for to persuade others that he was acting in blasphemy in order to get him arrested. They had nothing. They had nothing on him. He was able to, to refute everything. He was able to present a clear gospel. And it still made them mad. It still upset them. And it still brought them to the point that like, nah, nah, this ain't good enough. We got to get rid of him. We got to let this thing go. I, wa I want to tell you this. And, and I hope that you track with me on my, uh, on my, uh, uh, my theory, my, 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 my heart here. And this is what I think. As I read and as I, and as I see what's going on here in our modern day, and as I read it and apply it to Scripture, I think that there's an important revelation here. The gospel in its nature, when you read it, is not offensive. It speaks to the culture and the kingdom of God. It doesn't spark a fire. It doesn't, it's not a dangerous tool that we use. However, 
So don't, don't get me wrong, if you're already blowing up the comments or, you know, whatever, uh, uh, track with me here. It's when people feel challenged to change their perception of the gospel, that's when it offends people at their core. That's when it begins to, to, to uh, make people feel insecure. Wait, 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 what do you mean this? What do you mean that? Like you can't, that can't possibly be a part of the gospel because that's not what I believe. That's not what I hold to. That's not what I'm, I'm coming to do. Let me tell you, when people are challenged, that's when they get offended. That's what makes the gospel offensive. The gospel in its very nature, when you just read the book, it's not, it's not offensive. It speaks of the kingdom that we're going to inherit one day when we enter heaven. It's when we apply our own perception to, I think this is what the gospel should be. Or I think that this is the, the, the religion that should uh, be placed here. I think that this is the tradition, the custom that should be in place. And in that moment, that's when that offense starts to rise up. That's when people start getting offended. That's when stuff starts to go down. And the gospel that, that, that Stephen was preaching was of a kingdom that was greater than the customs that were established by the religious people at the time. What he was speaking of was far leagues beyond what, 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 what these religious leaders were, were talking about. And it was because he was Holy Spirit led. When we act in the Holy Spirit, when we begin to pray for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and if you haven't prayed that, man, send us a message. Make sure that you, you get in contact with us. We would love to be able to pray for that for you and to agree in prayer for that. I believe even if you're, as you're watching, wherever you're watching, whenever you're watching, you can receive the Holy Spirit. But when we're Holy Spirit led, we get the power to speak on the totality of the gospel without fear and without repercussions. When we're Holy Spirit led, when the Holy Spirit is leading our language, leading our content, leading our sermons, leading our, our presentations of the gospel, when it's truly Holy Spirit led, man, that's when we can let go of all the fear, let go of all the uncomfort, and just say, man, this is what it is, and I'm going to preach it, and I'm going to teach it, and this is what I'm going to say, because we are allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us, not filter what we say through the Holy Spirit. And, and here's another thing. When people are Holy Spirit-led, people have no choice but to either accept it, man, we pray that they do, or they'll continue to ignore it, and this is the most dangerous one. They'll start to fabricate narratives against it. Start to do that. I, I think that there is power in truth. Um, I've shared before, uh, it's kind of not my favorite story to share, but I think it's applicable here. When I was suspended um, in high school, my first semester of my freshman year of high school, I got suspended, right? And um, I remember... Uh, talking with the principals, the, the staff that was there. I remember them bringing things up and, and we were talking and, and whatnot. And um, finally, they, they, they asked me, they said, did you do this? You know, they had kind of asked me some, some softball questions and I was able to do it. I was an AB student as well. So like I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the perception of a bad kid. So it's like, fine, I'll, I'll, I can get myself out of this. Like I knew there was danger. And so I was like, ah, I can figure this out. So softball questions I'm answering them nice they're they're taking down notes seems confident and then finally they asked me the pointed question they said were you involved in in what what was happening 
uh, at this time? I said, uh, no, no, I wasn't. I heard about it. I heard, I, I, you know, I heard about it. I was there, but, but no, it wasn't me. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is super embarrassing. They, they looked at me, they kind of chuckled. And um, at that point, I was like, okay, what's up? And they said, listen, we, um, we asked you that question because we wanted the, the truth and uh, we don't think that you're giving it to us. I'm like, okay, whatever. They said, we have 15 students that we have talked to, that we have interviewed, that we have um, asked about this situation and they have used your name directly and only your name in some of the cases. And I was like, ah, okay. So I had a choice right there to either accept it, to either ignore it, which I probably couldn't do very, very well, or I could just come up with a narrative and a, and a theory against it. And so I said, no, no, that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. I tried to ignore it, brush it off, get to another question that would have gotten me out of trouble. They came back to me again. They said, did you do it? I said, no, I, I didn't. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that point, they got really upset with me. And they said, listen, this is not... This is not what we're going to take. This is not what we're going to tolerate. We know that you did it, and now you're lying to us. You see, I was confronted with the truth, and I really didn't know how to handle it. And I obviously didn't handle it in a good way. I obviously didn't handle it in a productive way. But let me tell you something. When you're confronted with the truth, you have those options, and you have those things. And man, I would pray that you would choose to accept it. When, when, when there's a clear presentation of the gospel, when you feel like people are Holy Spirit-led, when you feel like you have entrusted yourself to, to their care, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a friend, whether it's a mentor, and let me tell you something. Take what they say to heart. At least let it process through. At least let it, let it sink in and, and meditate on it and think about it because that is important as you step through this. And uh, I think, I think uh, we're going to go ahead and just move on to the, to the end. Um, so only a few verses. And this is now. He's before the Sanhedrin. Stephen is. Stephen's before the Sanhedrin, uh, before the religious leaders. And he's on kind of a trial here. And this is what it says in 13. It says, They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say this, Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs Moses handed down to us. So they're very, very upset at what he's saying, what he's teaching, what he's preaching, all of which was correct, by the way. That was a truer sense of the gospel than anything that they were following. And then verse 15, it says this, and this is the end of the chapter. It says, All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And I think that this is, is an important thing as we kind of are, are bringing it to a close. And this is important. We have to hold fast in the trial. We have to hold fast and we have to make sure that we are, we are blameless before people as we, as we present the gospel, as we are this Holy Spirit led, as we are uh, making our priorities, communic being communicators of the gospel. And we have to hold fast in the trial. After making sure that these people could testify against Stephen, he sat before these religious leaders and, and they began to examine him and they noticed that his face was like the face of an angel. And, and this face wasn't like the soft angelic face that, that you see in paintings, right? Like you think of an angel, you're like, oh man, maybe you're thinking of like a crush or something. Don't for too long. But like, you know, like that's kind of where it is. 
this isn't that. And it's also not like the, the, um, the blazing angels who would come with like nine eyeballs to come like uh, speak and you know probably look like just aliens and you wouldn't even know what to think. It's not that either. It's not complete judgment and complete like um, hellfire and brimstone here. But what his face communicated was the perfect peace of God and the confidence of knowing that he would be close to God that he was, he was right there with him. He was drawn near. And I think it's so funny here because at the, uh, at the end in, in 14, we, we see, they said, hey, listen, he's trying to take the customs of Moses from us. He's trying to say that, that Jesus is going to come back and destroy all these customs. Man, what are we going to do? And then they look at his face and, and a lot of commentators and a lot of people who, uh, who write commentaries, who, who have studied the, the Greek uh, of this, they start to look at it and, and they, they even looked at the Hebrew here and they are noticing something important and ironic here. They notice that, that this is the same description that Moses had in all of his close encounters with, with God as he was leading the people of Israel. As he was leading them out of Egypt, as he was listening for God's heart, as he was drawing near to him as the leader of the people. Stephen's face mirrors Moses's. And here they are saying, he's trying to get rid of Moses. He's trying to take the, the customs from Moses. He's trying to do this. Man, how, how funny is it that God would, would make the similarity between Moses' face and Stephen's face as he's awaiting trial? I think that that's just amazing. So we have to know to hold fast in the trial. And we have to, to know our role. We have to understand and remember our priorities. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We have to hold fast in the trial. These are important things. But where does that leave us? Where does that leave where we're at? Where does that leave our, 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 our system? Where does that leave uh, how, we, how we interact with people? Where does that leave us in the modern day? Let me tell you something. And this is really where I want to end. I know I said we were going to end, but this is really where I want to end. The gospel is clear. The gospel is clear and it's always going to ring true. I think that that is what really we can understand about this text. As we read it, we know that the gospel is true and the gospel will always ring true. No matter what opposition comes against it, no matter who tries to come in and twist it and contort it to fit whatever viewpoints that they have, whatever customs they want to keep, let me tell you something. It's true. It's always going to be true. And we can rest in that as we preach the gospel, as we look at the situation that's facing us. We look at the, 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 the craziness of, of, of COVID-19, as we look at the injustice of this situation and, and many other that have preceded it. Man, let me tell you something. We know that the gospel will back up what we preach if we're Holy Spirit-led. We know that that's what's going to happen. So we can have peace and we can, we can walk in assurance that, man, we are going to be lights to the world. When addressing the, horrifics, the horrific acts that just happened a week ago in Minneapolis, and like I said, the, the countless others that, that, have, that have happened before, the, the things that we have seen over and over, just in my lifetime, let me tell you, it's crazy. But let me tell you this. We've seen calls for action against, and we have, to keep, uh, we have to keep our priority, Jesus, throughout this entire thing. 
please, please, please don't lose sight of Jesus throughout this. Please don't lose sight of Jesus as we walk through some really crazy times. That is our calling. That is who we are as Christians. Listen, if we lose our gospel-centeredness for the sake of just being a social justice warrior, then we're not acting in righteousness. Now let me tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm not discounting social justice, but, but hear me out, without the gospel, it's useless. If we, if we do this without the gospel, without filtering it through the gospel, without reading it and, and letting it infiltrate our lives, we have no cause and nothing makes sense. So I hope that you know that. But I also want you to know that, man, in this time, just because we have to know where we stand with Jesus and understand the gospel and, and keep that as the focus, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to remain quiet. That doesn't mean that we're only supposed to keep uh, buried in, in this all the time and, and, and even to the point that we just hold it over our face so that nobody can, can see what's going on. That's not what we're called to do either. Listen, let me tell you, this is a moment that we have to begin to, to not remain silent, to begin to speak out against the various factors that have played into what's happening. Yes, there has been injustice. Yes, racism is still alive and prevalent in our country. That's just a fact here. And I think that, that over the course of this week, it's being peeled back slowly and it's painful and it's hard. But let me tell you something, it's still here and we have to speak out against it. People are hurting. People are hurting. There are people in, in various communities of color that are hurting. And right now, there's a black community right now that needs the church to come alongside of it. So you know what? I understand and I feel you and, I, and I'm with you. We have to see that as well because if we only, if we only are in the gospel and we're only here and we're, we're, we're letting it kind of shield what we're, what, we're, what we're saying and what we're viewing, we've lost it too. We have to take action. We have to speak out. We have to, 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 to bring this up to the forefront because that's where we're at. So you might be thinking, Pastor Josh, where do you stand? Where, where, where should I stand as a Christian? I, I, I don't think it's here. And I don't think it's here. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think there is a middle ground. Don't let media outlets, don't let uh, news commentators, don't let uh, journalists tell you that there is no middle ground because there is. And, and, and I think that the church needs to be that middle ground. The gospel is clear about how to treat one another. The actions of many who are doing horrific things, horrible things in response to this injustice is wrong. I totally understand. I totally get that. I understand. The gospel is very clear about how we treat one another. We don't go around burning other people's things. We don't go around and, and create violence and, and pull innocent people out of cars and, and do all of that. We don't. We understand. We get that. But the, but the violence, the contempt for innocent people, all of that's wrong. We get it. But, but we have to understand that people are hurt. We have to understand that there is a community right now that feels broken and feels silenced and feels like they have no other choice than but to do this. And, and, and again, you can, you, can, you, can, you can speak out against that while also saying, I feel your hurt and I feel your pain and I'm here with you. 
We understand. Because guess what? In the same way that loving your neighbor, not burning things, not, not going after them, not doing whatever, as, as, as clear as it is in the gospel for that, it's also clear in, in, in Luke, the gospel of Luke. Same author, and that's the reason why I want to use it, because it's the same author who penned this in, in Acts chapter 6. Because in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, it says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. And in, and in Matthew, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And that is who we're supposed to be. That is who we're supposed to be. Later on in the Beatitudes, it says that we're supposed to be peacemakers. Not just peacekeepers, peacemakers. I think that that's an important thing too. And I think that we should just get back to the Beatitudes altogether. But as we're seeing this and as we're, as we're, as we're witnessing this, I think that it's so, so important to seek out the Holy Spirit through prayer. Seek out what God is speaking and speak and, and listen to His heart. Read His Word and understand that this is going to be a pivotal time to have conversations and opportunities to speak into the lives of those around us. We have an opportunity to speak into the lives of, of so many people who are hurting. We have, so, we have a, a, a tremendous opportunity to come along people who are hurting, say, I understand, I'm empathetic, and I'm here. I'm here. And I think that this is, is an incredible time to go ahead and just close in prayer and, and, and to really seek God out. And I would, I would encourage you throughout the rest of this week to just read in the Gospels and read where uh, Jesus is, is teaching, what He is teaching. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit will lead us to, to the right things to say, the right things to do. I do, 100%. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now and agree in faith as brothers and sisters in Christ that, that there will be change, there will be reform, that we, we will be able to see all of this. Let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who has a clear message and a clear motive. You have a, 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 a God who, you are a God who is so compassionate and so merciful and, and, and we thank you for those attributes. We thank you that you are all of those things to us. We thank you that we can draw near to you. But Lord, we also see that your heart is completely and utterly broken by the things that are happening here. Well, we understand that there are people who are hurting, that there are people who are confused, that there are people who feel like there is just, there's just no other uh, it, there's just no other way to be heard. So Father, let, let people of the church start to listen. Let people in, 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 who claim your, you as, 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 their, as their God, who, who are, are people of faith, who, who, who want to, to bring unity back into this country, back into this world, let me, let me just ask that you would infiltrate our hearts work in us personally so that we can go and be your hands and feet because right now there's a world that desperately 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 needs just that they need people they need physical uh, uh people physical uh, uh beings who can who can stand beside them and and and, and understand and and feel that with them
And Lord, I pray that any sort of of, of thing that has been in our hearts, whether it's prejudice, whether it's straight up racism, whether it's uh, 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 feeling uncomfortable by the conversations that we have, whether it's uh, whatever, Lord, I pray for repentance right now. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in, in our lives and, and that you would, would see to it that we can be people who bring you glory in every single thing that we do. Lord, I thank you for, for giving us your word. I thank you that we can read it and we can be united by it. Lord, if we, if we just read what you have to say, if we just listen to your heart, we just listen and, and, and be led by the Holy Spirit, Lord, you have what we can say. You have everything that we need and we thank you for that. Lord, we look forward to the opportunities of ministry. We look forward to the conversations that we can have in the future. We look forward to, to everything that you're doing and using in this time. Lord, we thank you for, for, for who you are. Lord, and we pray that you would have your hand over all of us. Over all of us in this crazy, crazy time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for, for taking some time out to, to join us. Let me tell you something awesome. We have one more of these. Next Wednesday is the last one. And then after that, we're going to be meeting together again. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait for it. We're going to have all of our volleyball, all of our um, games and stuff outside, and then we'll come in for service. It'll be awesome. We're gearing up for summer games as well. Can't wait for that, man. Thank you uh, so much for, for watching. Make sure to like the page. Uh, make sure you like LifePoint Youth on Facebook. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at, at LPYouthAZ. And then if you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit the bell icon so that you can get all of the notifications. Make sure you also follow our podcast uh, at the LifePoint Youth Audio Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, everything that you uh, would want at, for all of your audio and podcasting needs. Uh, thank you so much for, for watching and, and spending time together. Uh, can't wait to see you next week.